0: Well, good morning to each one of you. It is a blessing and an honor to gather together to worship our Lord this morning. I want to welcome you visitors here. Thanks for being with us this morning. It's a pleasure to have you with us. For the home folks, it's good and it's pleasant to gather together with you all, and it's a blessing that I cherish each Sunday. Thank you. Well, we want to turn our attention to the Word of God, and I, hope, and I invite you to open your, your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5. As we've been progressing our way through Ephesians, we begin in chapter 1 and 2 with doctrines of salvation, the, the places where we are called to come to as we enter the Christian life, as we come to become Christians, these are the places God brings us, and then as we have been coming through the doctrines, He begins to, to walk us through practical applications. We are in Ephesians 5, we're getting toward the end of the book, and we have transitioned from doctrinal to practical. Practical. And although practical also has doctrinal teaching, it is explicitly pointed, and there's a driving message behind this part of the chapter. If the doctrine of salvation is at work in you, then this is the result. If that, then this. If that is not in effect, then this will not happen. And we, we see some more of this in today's passage we're going to look at verses 8 through verse 14 the title of this message is the christians walk in god's light last year last time we spoke we talked we spoke out of the first seven verses uh the christians walk in god's love today it's the christians walk in god's light beginning in verse 8 for you were once darkness but now you are, the ch- are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's pray. Father, we just ask this morning that as we come to your word that you would open the truths of this word your ways, that they would be clear to us. Lord, that your path would be one that we des- we would long to walk in more fully, and that your truth would be the place we want to abide in. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done to provide for us, all that we need in him to be obedient to you, Lord. So we ask that you you use this for your honor and glory and your spirit would speak to us your truth may be revealed by your spirit into our hearts and we may say amen to your spirit we may we may hold hands with the truth and we may embrace the wisdom of god to ourselves and that we may walk therein in fullness in its fullness we ask this in jesus name amen <clears throat> well out of this passage, we want to look, first of all, at the position of the, the personal position of the believer. Secondly, we want to look at the personal responsibility of the believer. Lastly, we want to look at the the personal wake-up call for the believer. So, <clears throat> let's begin here in verse 8. For you were once darkness. The you is a directive to the believer he is now talking to believers uh this is speaking to the church because as this, this goes back to chapter 5 verse 1 therefore as Im- be imitators of god as dear children there's only one group of people that god calls his dear children and that is his dear children the those who are not his children He doesn't speak to in this manner. And so we're we're talking here, he's talking to us. Those of us who are walking in newness of life. He says, you were once darkness. We're looking here at a position. You once were personally positioned in darkness. In other words, he doesn't say you just did dark things or you were just hanging out in the darkness. He says, you were once darkness. In other words, he's saying at one point in time in your life, every believer can look back at his unbelieving days and say, I embodied darkness in those days. I walked away of the flesh. I lived according to what pleased me, not what pleased Christ. I saw only what I wanted to see in myself, not what Christ had revealed in himself. And so darkness here is defined in the original language as an ignorance of divine truth accompanied with the ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery in hell. Now, this... This is a package deal. Those who embody darkness, they have an ignorance of the truth. First Corinthians chapter two says that, that these things are revealed by the Spirit of God, and if we have the spirit of God, then they can be revealed. These truths can be revealed to us. But there's an ignorance. There's, there's an inability to see. Or to understand or to perceive the things of the kingdom of God. There's an ignorance there. Jesus told Nicodemus, he says, Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven, much less enter it. So there's an an understanding that comes with salvation. God has opened our understanding in salvation. There's a receptiveness to the truth there's a seeing into the truth that we didn't see before. We can all, I think we can all identify with the fact that the Bible was somewhat of a closed, at least mostly a closed book before we were born again. And when Christ came in, one of the things that happened to me was I gained a desire to read God's Word and to know what He thought, to, to try to understand some way what He is saying here. And folks, That. That does not go away in the Christian's life. But that is not true of the unbeliever. And we have to remember that when we were back there in that life, that's the way we lived. We lived in ignorance. We lived in darkness. We hid from the truth. We ran from the truth. We didn't want the truth to expose us. That's the life of an unbeliever. He does everything he can to shift. And to get something between him and the light so he can stay in the shadow. So he can be hidden. This is what the children of Israel experienced. I'm going to hold, hold my finger here and let's turn to uh, Hebrews 12. and Let's understand a little bit what this is like. Hebrews chapter 12 and Uh, We're going to begin, we're going to pick it up here in verse 18. This is, the Hebrew writer is going back to the time when God appeared on the mountain to the children of Israel. And though they never saw him, they saw his thunderings, his lightnings. They saw the cloud come down on the mountain. They heard his voice. Let's begin reading here in verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded. Do you notice that? They could not endure what was commanded. It was the commandment they were running from. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stone. Or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was that sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. If we were to, we're not going to spend the time to go back into that and dig it all out, but if we would go back there, we would understand that this was a group of unbelieving people. They did not believe that God was going to take them and securely place them into the promised land as he said he would. And we know that later on we see that their carcasses fell in the wilderness because of unbelief. They did not receive the truth and they did not embrace it to them. <clears throat> and when God spoke to them and that unbelief was present in their in their hearts and in their minds, it struck terror into them. They were terribly afraid. And I want to tell you, friends, if... if, if If you are on the the fallen, if you're of the fallen who have never come to the cross, this this is what God's truth does to your soul. You become exceedingly afraid and terrified. There's a blackness. There's a darkness. And I believe that darkness was more than just something that they saw that was black versus white. I believe there was a a presence of darkness there. And God did this for a specific purpose. He wanted to show them that they are walking in darkness and this is the reality of where they are going. You know, the reality of the the Christian life is that we face the issues of, of the wrath of God at the beginning of life, not at the end. Christ has taken the penalty of our sin and has taken away that end judgment from us so that we face the reality of our sin as we come to the cross. And we realize that it took the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, to take our sin upon Himself. And rather than suffer in hell, we come to To repentance at the foot of the cross. These people in the Old Testament had not come to repentance. There was not repentance and faith in their hearts. And what the writer here is saying, you've not come to this mountain as believers. This is not where the believer lives. Let's go on. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. If you will just take a look at who's in Mount Zion. It's like a biblical family reunion. I don't know about you, but I love family reunions. It was so much fun for me as a young boy to see all my cousins and my aunts and uncles come together. And we had several days where we could just be together and we didn't see each other for a long time. Listen, friends, this is the family of God united in Mount Zion this is the family of God being brought together in the church under the work of Jesus Christ he is the mediator he's the one who brought this all together he stood between God and man he took the sin of man upon himself and he took the wrath of God for that sin and he provided the way for us to come to him and he brought us to God and so we see that though we once were in darkness, back in Ephesians 5, yet now are you light in the Lord. The reality is that the dwelling place that we had is not our dwelling place anymore. Praise God for that, brothers and sisters. That if you know Christ, you live in a better place, in an infinitely better place, in a place that is opposite of day, as day and night. I think sometimes we don't understand or we don't grasp the reality of what Christ has done for us to take us from darkness to light. Paul said that when he was called to preach the gospel, he was called in Acts 26. He's telling the, 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 the rulers there that he said, The Lord called me to turn these people to open their eyes. And opening their eyes is like turning them from darkness to light. It's like a blind man who could never see. And he was healed and suddenly he can see. Suddenly the world becomes alive to him. Our position, friends, is one who's had our eyes opened by the truth of God. Christ has applied that truth, and he's made us able to come and draw near to the light and live in the light without fear of the light. You see, the people in, in, at the mountain in the Old Testament, they feared the truth. As believers, it is not for us to fear the truth. The truth is where we live. It must be where we abide. We live in the light. It is the light that makes the Christian who he is. In fact, I'm going to hold my finger here again. Let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and I don't want to steal Glenn's thunder here because he has done a great job in this passage. But Let's go to, to verse 19 in John 3. You see, my friends, one who abides in the truth and walks in the light, he has no fears about what will be shined in his heart. He wants to know. He wants to repent. He wants to grow. He wants to bring this to Christ. He wants to gain strength. He wants to find more help. Yes, it's hard on the flesh. Yeah, we we don't like our pride crushed but my friends it's our pride that stands between us and christ so many times it's our pride that hinders our fellowship it's our pride that makes us unable to draw near to each other and to christ it's our pride that keeps us from doing what that samaritan did this morning in the passage he helped the man in need so much gets undone because darkness still has some part of control in our life we hide from the truth we hide from the light and yes it's it's natural to do so but because we are now children of the light he's saying we are to walk in the light we are to walk in the light because our position is in the light Darkness is the dwelling place of evil, but the one who is living in the truth welcomes the light, and he has no fear about being exposed, about it it exposing his deeds to the truth, because they have been done in God, and they come from his empowerment and his direction. I was reading a commentator who said this, he said, and this was written back before 911 so it's been a while ago but he said you know i i go to i fly on airplanes to go to places to to speak and he said one of the things i do is, is when i come in there is they they search me they run my 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 uh um, luggage through a scanner through an x-ray machine they 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 but he said i don't fear those things he said i'm not carrying a bomb i'm not carrying anything that it's going to hurt anybody. But he said, I'm glad they check it out so that when I get on the plane, it's, it's safe for me to be on the plane. You see, I realize that many times that's, that, that authority is overstepped. I understand that there are, there are those times. But nonetheless, those who live in the light, those who are not carrying the bombs, if you please, those who are not in, have, have not been dwelling in darkness, They're okay with their deeds being exposed. Bring it to trial. Bring it to light. And if it's wrong, I want to change it. If it's wrong, I want to repent of it. If it's the truth, I want to embrace it. If it's right, I want to do it. You see, if we have this kind of attitude about the light, it changes our thinking about all of our life. And that's why he says... Because you are children of the light now, walk. That word walk has to do with, with, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. First of all, where are you this morning? Where am I this morning? I believe it's, 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 it's important for us to examine ourselves. Scripture says examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. The only reason I say this is because we can fool ourselves. We are some of the most manipulative, masterful people at making ourselves think that we're right when we're wrong. And we, we need the word to shine its light upon us. <clears throat> this morning, I want to, I do not want to throw water on somebody who's been born again and who is saved and who maybe is struggling but I want to encourage you bring your needs to the truth bring your life to the truth let the word of God even expose you you must come to the point where nothing else matters more than Christ if something else matters to you more than following Christ Jesus says you cannot ultimately be his disciple these are Pardon me, these are strong words, but friends, this is the way Christ looks at us. We are either of the truth and of the light or of the darkness and of the night. You see, my friends, your truth the saving knowledge of God's truth will make us a lover of the truth. Are you a lover of the truth this morning? Do you want to walk in the light? Is that really your desire? That above all else you would be pleasing to him and your life could be open before him. That you would live in, like an open book in his presence. Is your experience with God's truth and his light is it more like the one of Mount Sinai or is it like the one of Mount Zion? You know, one of the blessings that we find when we begin to invite, when we begin to open ourselves to the truth of God's word, is we find that we're not alone. There are multitudes of saints who are the same place we are. They're dealing with the truth as well. They had sin to deal with as well. They had, they had to bring their, their sins to the light. They had to expose them before the word of God. They had to be cleansed from sin. This is all a normal part of the Christian life. In fact, if, you, if, if, you, if you're not experiencing an exposing and a cleansing from sin, you're not living the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is one who lives a, is a life of repentance, a continual life of repentance. It is because not only do we have this nature that we're this 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 flesh that we're dealing with, we also have sin around us. And it presses in on us. It wants to influence us. We have more influences today in our life than I've ever seen him before. You know, we have this little thing we carry with us called a cell phone. That little thing has much influence on it, some for good, but there's plenty of evil there as well. And friends, it's time that we bring the influences of the of the world and we bring them to the light of God's truth. It's time that we come and we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I live, I'm a child of the truth. I'm a child of the light. I want to walk in your light. I want to be your child. Is this your testimony this morning? Well, not only... Must you have a personal position in the light? And I, and I want to say this because I believe that for all of us, we, we struggle at areas. There are always going to be things we struggle at. But when someone boils it down and you get, you get to where you're pushed against the wall, so to speak, where do you really want to be? Where do you really want to abide? When somebody has when somehow the things of life put you in a corner where you have to go somewhere, you have to do something. Where do you want to go? Do you want to abide in the truth? You want to walk with God. He is a defense for those who are his own. Those who are humble before him, he is their strong fortress. He is the one who stands up to defend this truth is a lion. It will defend you in the day of trouble. But friends, it will also cut to the chase. It will cut to the heart of who we really are. The word of God is quick, meaning alive. It's sharp. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder, soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, having said that, we come now not just to the personal position of the believer, but the personal responsibility of the believer. We have here in Ephesians 5, where he says that we are now to walk. Because we are light, because we're in the position of light, we are now to walk in that light. That word "walk" here means to regulate one's spiritual life by continual progress, just as physical walking moves us forward and is the means by which we make progress. We are to, the Christian life is called. We're called in the Christian life. We're called to move. We're called to move forward. We're called to come to the light and continue coming to the light. It's a continual walk in the light. It is not just well thank God I was saved back there 5 years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago and I'm I hit the cruise control and I'll end up in heaven. I can check out. Well, thank God he took our sins upon him Christ, put it, put our sins upon Christ. We no longer bear that load and thank God he put us in the way. But just because he put us in the way does not mean that we sit back in our rocking chair and do nothing. God brings life to us. And we must respond in some way. We will respond in some way. And in some fashion, God is going to ask us to walk. He's going to ask us to, 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 here's something I want you to do. Here's Here's a way that you must be going. You need to be regulating your life this way. The Word of God teaches us these things. Because it's these things that bring us to where we receive more light and more truth. Our light gets stronger. It gets better. It gets more encompassing of everything in our lives. He says walk as children of light. And walking here means to regulate your spiritual life by the the word of God and by the spirit of God. Number two, the spiritual progress is marked by us bearing the Holy Spirit's fruit. Notice he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer... I'm sorry here. I'm in the wrong place. Sorry about that. For the fruit of the Spirit. In that word, in the fruit of the Spirit, the, the original would say the fruit of light. But we could. it's the same source it comes from god it comes through the holy spirit it's god the holy spirit is the third person of the trinity so we are talking about walking in light this spiritual progress is marked by the spirit's fruit let's look at the first one here now notice he puts this in parentheses but he says this is where what goes with walking in the light sometimes people say well if you walk if you really walk in the light there are things you're going to do. You know, you're going to start speaking in tongues. You're going to start dancing. You're going to start this. You're going to start that. You'll be able to heal people. There's nowhere in the Bible that it, that, that, that is a requirement for walking in the truth. Walking in the truth is bearing the, will, 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 will evidence itself by bearing the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of light. So let's look at these things. He says it's an all goodness, first of all. Goodness here means uprightness of heart and life. Uprightness of heart and life. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that a good tree brings forth good fruit and an evil tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bear evil fruit, neither can an evil tree bear good fruit. But you know the tree by its fruit. The fruit that it bears is evidence of what kind of tree it is. You know, if I walked up to an apple tree today and I went to pick the fruit off of it, I would not expect to pull a peach off of an apple tree. If I pulled a peach off, it'd be a peach tree. And the fruit that, that, that is the kind of fruit that you get from a Christian is a certain kind. If there's a root of Christianity within them. Then there's the fruit of Christianity there. It comes as a natural result of of a changed heart. Now, you may say, well, I'm just a brand-new Christian. I'm just a baby Christian. I just came to faith. i got all kinds of problems to deal with. I understand. But if you truly came to Christ, you exhibited faith, you exhibited repentance... And you exhibited trust in Christ. You already have the fruit of the Spirit. This is no less there on a baby Christian, should we say, than a Christian who's older and experienced. There may, it may be more evident by being in more areas of their life in a, in a more experienced Christian. But every child of God bears the fruit of the Spirit. If the fruit of the Spirit is not there They are not His. They don't belong to Him. They are not His children. Now, it doesn't mean that, I mean, we can all look at our lives and say, well, there ought to be more there than what there is. You know, for the 30 or 40 years that I've been walking with the Lord, I look at my life and I say, it's pitiful. I should have a lot more going on here than what I do. I think we can all say that. But, friends, we must look and say, is God at work? Is God doing this? Is there a a fruit that's coming out? And is that fruit the fruit of the Spirit? Goodness here is the quality of life that is true to the way God intended for us to live. When you have a good tree and it bears good fruit, a good apple is a result of a good apple tree. Good fruit is born on a good tree. But when you have a diseased and rotten, putrefying fruit that doesn't rightly resemble a good apple tree, you have to say that there's something wrong with the tree. It goes back to there's a cause and an effect. But friends, the Holy Spirit has an effect on us. And His effect is to make us like Christ. And as we become like Christ, we bear His fruit we bear the things he gives us goodness is that quality of life it is the god likeness that comes from god it is the god likeness that comes from god i know there's people that try to pretend to be god they try to pretend to be we call, we used to call them when i was growing up goody two shoes and if you know what i'm saying it's a put on it's it's something that they wear and when you got them away from everybody else and just you and them back in the back 40 and you're working and doing something, they're a different person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about goodness that God plants in the heart and it grows, it, it becomes, it abounds to, to the whole of life. Goodness is the Godlike character, righteousness is the state of one who is as he ought to be in thinking, in feeling, and in action. Righteousness is the way we ought to be. It's the ought to. There's an oughtness that comes with our responsibility to walk. And that's part of it. There's It, it, it is God making us who we ought to be. God is not just interested in, in, in saying, Hey, fine, I took you out of your sin. No, he says, I've got to make something out of you. I want to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember that my granddad telling the story that he was mowing hay one time, and his hay mower broke down. And as he was fixing this hay mower, he was in the days when there weren't very many cars around. Uh, they was, only the rich people had the cars, and somebody drove up into the farm there with their car. And Granddad asked him so, "What do you have there?" And he was just a young lad. He was only 14, 15 years old. The man says "That's an automobile. And so the man asked him, So, what do you have here? He says, It's an automo, hey, but it don't. (laughs) I didn't say that just to be funny, but (laughs) that's the way all our things of mankind are. We make things that ought to do this, but they don't. Even our automobiles ought ought to mobilize us, but many times they don't. It is not natural to be righteous the righteousness of god is to make us like we ought to be it'll make us bear fruit when we ought to bear fruit it is the righteousness of christ and jesus says in matthew 5 that except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees you cannot enter the kingdom of god Anybody who does not come to Christ for his righteousness is trying to fill that ought to with his own strength and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. In fact, Christ's coming did not revoke the law. It did not bring us to a place of of inability but rather a place of ability It brings us to a place where, where we can be righteous. But it's not just a place where we can be righteous, but we are growing in our righteousness. The righteousness that Christ has given us is an increasing righteousness. It's a fruit that, that multiplies and grows. In fact, Jesus said that if, if you are going to come to me with your own righteousness... It is as filthy rags. It will be rejected by God because he does not look upon man's righteousness as enough. It is far short. It misses the mark of the calling of God. Well, lastly, we have here, we have truth. Truth is that personal excellence. As truth is used here, it's that personal excellence and freedom of mind. That is free from falsehood, deceit, or pretense. I'm going to hold my finger here. Let's turn to 1 John 1. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1. Verse 3. Let's read verses 3 through 8. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And These things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him. And declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us you see truth by its very nature, reveals that which is hidden. Jesus said when he stood before Pilate, he said, For this purpose I came into the world, that I may bear witness to the truth. We know Pilate's infamous, uh, his infamous saying there, what is truth? You see, my friends, he was so used to lying. He was so used to deceitfulness. He was so used to darkness that he did not know what truth really was. When Jesus said, I come to bear witness of the truth, he was talking in foreign terms to Pilate. But nonetheless, when you come to as a child of God, the message which you heard from God, that John says we declare to you is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is hard for us to grasp. The brightest day, the best light, has in some place a shadow attached to it. In God, there is no darkness at all. If we are saying that we abide in truth, if we say that we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we are walking in the light, we will have fellowship with others who are walking in the light. And we will have the ability to come and repent of sin as it's brought to the light. It's one of the reasons God calls us to fellowship with one another, because it's in this context that we have a loving place to deal with the issues of our sin that we still carry as remnants from our flesh. I know we like to protect ourselves, all of us do, but friends, it is God's will that this be a safe place, a loving place where God's truth can show us who we are and who He is, most of all. That He may shine the light of truth upon us. And if we're going to stand back here and say, I don't have any sin, there's nothing wrong with me whatsoever, He says, we're lying. We're lying. Friends, I think we need to take this seriously. I think, I think it's time that we start Looking at ourselves in the truth, and we start being unashamed to come to the truth. You know, there's 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 no shame in 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 being in turning ourselves toward the truth. And when we come to the truth, it, being willing to live in a way that we, even in though we are exposed, it is in the light. Everything is in the light. Well. Not only not only must we not only must we, we bear the fruit but friends we must prove the fruit of the life. Now notice he says he says there he says finding out what is acceptable verse 10 to the Lord that finding out what is acceptable is actually proving or testing what is acceptable to the Lord. Everything that resides in these qualities that he mentions here are for us. They're for the children of God, and we are to prove the preciousness of their value, and we are to and, and their effective usefulness in our lives. Everything that we do must be to the aim to please God. If we prove these things, if, we, if this is how we live, then what we, how we speak, how we choose to live our lives, how we use our money, how we use our talents, how we treat our fellow men, it will all be done to please and glorify and honor our, our God. If we have another motive for doing these things, if we just want to please men, then we're not walking in the truth, friends. Let's just be honest. This is to please God. God is the one who needs to be pleased. Listen, if you please God, it doesn't matter who else really ultimately is not pleased. But if you don't please God, God will not be pleased with you. You see, my friends, it is it is going to be in, in all of our best interest, and I say best interest, it should be at the heart of our desire to please God because in that day, we want to hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And, and if we don't walk in the truth, we're not going to hear those words. It is of, it is of necessity that we that we find and we hear what God has to say to us on these things. These are qualities that must shine out like a beacon. These qualities are, are, are like a, a, a light shining into a dark world. Notice he says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify who? The Father, which, your Father, which is in heaven. The world needs to see the truth in us so much that they glorify God because they know that's the only place it could come from. They understand that that does not come from the heart of man, but it comes from the heart of God. And that's what God wants us to do. This must be an outshining of our lives well not only must we prove the the these these fruits of the light but we must re- reprove the works of darkness first of all we're called to break fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness if there's if there's darkness in our life if there's sin in our life if there's things we've been hiding for years if there's trouble in our life that we can't that with God, that we, that we are hiding, we're called to break ties with that sin. With that issue that we are dealing with. And the reason we are called to break, break ties with it here. And I'm going to hold my finger here. Let's turn back to, to Revelation 18. I want to read two verses here in Revelation 18. Because in Revelation 18, we have the final division we have the final breaking of ties in revelation 18 verses four to five. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. My people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities This world, my friends, is an idolatrous world. She follows, it follows the path that Satan has, is leading her. In fact, it says that the world is in the lap or in the sway or under the control of the wicked one. He does with her what he, with the world, what he wishes. And this is, here the world is is termed in the form of Babylon. Babylon considered to be the mother of harlots, he says. And, and friends, I'm, it's not just harlotry. There's all kinds of evil that goes on in and around this. You can you can go into the Old Testament and you can and you can look at the terms for for adultery and idolatry, and it's the same kind of thing. The one who will worship worship say, worship the the bales. And try to worship God at the same time. He's committing adultery in his heart. He's trying to please two lovers. And what does he say here? Notice he says. Come out of her my people. If you find yourself intermingled. And and, and in in, in some sort of, of partnership. Or in some sort of agreement. Or in some sort of binding relationship. With this Evil entity, he says, Come out of her, come out of her, separate yourself, cut off fellowship from her. Why, for her sins have reached to heaven. God, this is this is a this is saying that it's time for judgment. This is what God said in the beginning before the flood. He says that the sins of mankind reached up toward him, it was high enough, he's going to do something. And friends, at the end of time, that is what God is going to do. The sins of man are going to reach their, their point where God says, I have to judge, I have to bring this to an end, and he will. So he says their sins has, have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. I, I want to tell you, young men, if you're trapped in some form... Of, of of, wickedness, pornography, whatever it may be. God is calling you to the truth. He wants you to walk in the light. One of the best ways to deal with darkness is just bring in the light. And that's why God says, separate yourself from her, because I'm bringing light and judgment into this, into this realm, and this is going to be exposed for what it is. And so ahead of time, The children of God are called to make this break because this is where God says, I'm gonna make the break. This is where I'm gonna divide. This is where I'm gonna judge. This is gonna be right judgment. It's gonna be true judgment. And as children of light, we are not to be intermingled with them. It doesn't just have to be that issue. What about your business deals? Are you cheating on your business deals? Are you cheating on your taxes? Are you holding hands with somebody else in partnership who you're working towards cheating? That's all going to be exposed one day. And he says, my children, come out from among them. Don't be a part of that mess. Because that's going down, and that is, he's burning these sins in hell. Well, going back to Ephesians 5, he says that we are we are called to expose the evil. He says, it is shameful to speak of the things that they do. He says, don't talk about the things they do. In fact, when, he, when the children of Israel came into the land of Canaan, he says, don't talk about their idols. Don't mention them. There's not worth mentioning. Just go in there and wipe them out. Just clean house out there. Folks, that's the way we are to treat our sin. We're not to talk about it. We're not to glorify it. We're not to enamor it. We're to clean it out. It's garbage. You remember the last time we talked, we, we, we spoke, we preached here out of this passage. Every believer has two things. Can Somebody tell me what they are. Treasure and trash. Thank you. Treasure and trash. You have a trash heap and you have a treasure heap. You have a food source and you have a waste dump. Every Christian has that. These sins go to your waste dump, folks. They're not your food source. As a believer, you are to break ties and you're to expose them for what they are. That's what we're called to do. Secondly, we are called to, to be speaking about the light and the truth of God's word instead of the evil deeds that are done by these men. We cover that. Thirdly, we must be willing to remove ourselves from the path of sin and openly declare that we are children of light. This is something that we must must understand that the light, all that is of the light, exposes and manifests sin for what it is. If anything is going to expose anything, it's going to be the light that brings these spiritual sins to, to the truth. We're given the light to drive back darkness. The best way to eliminate darkness in a room is turn the light on. Get light into the room. And I want to tell you, don't mess around in this stuff. Don't try to run it out yourself. Get light into your heart. Immerse yourself in the truth of God's Word and live in that truth and hold your, be held accountable to that truth. Folks, this is how we, we, we push sin out of our lives. This is how we get it gone. It becomes part of the rubbish heap when God's word and his truth and his life become our food source, we will push that stuff out. The problem is the church today, people that call themselves the church of God are anemic with the word of God. We've watered down the preaching. We've compromised our stand against evil. We've made the church not that much different in today's Society, the church isn't that much different from those who call themselves not the church. Folks, it's time to come back to the Word of God. I'm afraid for many today, they're not coming out of Babylon, they're never going to come out of Babylon. Of folks, that ain't true for the children of God. The children of God have been delivered. And they will be brought out of Babylon. He calls us <clears throat> to let the truth purge us. I want to ask you this morning. Do you desire... The fruits of life to rule your life. Do you really desire that, this would, that truth and righteousness and goodness would rule your life? What are you doing about the areas of darkness in your life? Are you bringing truth into that light area so they can be exposed and expelled? 1 John 1 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As a Christian today, you have the privilege to come to Jesus Christ and be cleansed from every sin. There should be no pet sins, there should be no hidden sins but you have the privilege to come to Christ. I want to ask you this morning, are you exposing sin or are you hiding it? Well, lastly, we have here in verse 14, we have a personal wake-up call. We have a personal wake-up call. He says here, therefore he says, and he's quoting, he paraphrases out of Isaiah 60, verse 1. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. What he's simply saying is, you need to wake up. The day is far spent. Romans Romans 13 verse 11 would say, "The the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Throw off the things that are of the night, and put on the things that be of the day. It's a shame when we have able-bodied people who sleep the day away and they don't work. Even so, it is a shame for us as Christians to be walking back into the darkness and acting like it's night. Acting like it's it's like Christ hasn't even come. Acting like there's no difference between who I am and who the world is. That's sleeping. That's the sleep of sin. And, folks, he calls us to be personally awakened. He calls us to be personally arisen from the dead, if you please. We need to get up. We are not children of the night, but we are children of the day. And there needs to be a watchfulness and a vigilance because we can see. We've been given the truth, friends. We've been given the word of God and we can see, we know, because God has given it to us, and his son has paid a, a high price, a dear price for our souls. If we're going to wake up, we need to see it will cause us to see where we are with God. The truth will wake us up. You know, when David was. David had committed his sin with Bathsheba. There was a time that went for probably a year after Uriah was dead, nothing was said, Everything was, and God told Nathan the prophet, he said, you go to David, and I want you to tell him what I tell you to tell him. And Nathan the prophet goes to David, and he says, you know, this, this man had a, anyhow, you know the story, how he tells him about the, the lamb that the man had, and the rich man who had many, Sheep goes over and kills this poor man's lamb to feed to his guests. That was the pin that poked David that woke him up. That was the prick that David needed. He says, I want to know where that man is. He needs to die right now. Not in my kingdom is that going to happen. Folks, we need that kind of awakening. And when he came fully awake, he realized, I am the man. He acknowledged before God and right there before the prophet that I am this man. I want to tell you, we must wake up. We need to see where we are with God. Secondly, we need to get out of those places where we are living in sin. It's time to break ties. It's time to cut clean. Thirdly, we must run to Christ. And we must immerse ourselves in his light. This is the call for the Christian is to walk in light. And you will not walk in light unless you have been awakened. Unless the Holy Spirit grips your heart with the reality that he's calling us to separate ourselves from the world. Well, this has been a heavy passage, I understand. But brothers and sisters, the fruit of righteousness is the result of repentance and bringing it all to the light. This fruit is sweet. This fruit is eternal. And this fruit is what pleases God. Let's pray. Lord, as we draw near to the end of this service, Lord, I pray that your spirit could do his work, shining the light of your truth upon us. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that understand. Give us minds that perceive what you want us to to know and believe. Give us repentance, Lord. Give us brokenness. Give us the ability to love you more. To walk more in the light. To be more bold about your truth. We want to give you all praise and glory. Lord, bless this congregation as they go forth this week. I pray that your spirit would go work through them, that your hand of grace be upon them, that they would be able to live in the light, walk in the light, abide in the truth, and be faithful to bear the the, the fruit you've called them to bear. May the world look at their light and say, God is there. God is at work. God is in their midst. Lord, give give each one a place this week to to speak for your name, to glorify you, to worship you. And may you, Lord, bless the work of your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be dismissed. Thank you.